0: What's up uh, Grumlaw Church? So glad to be with you today. My name is Corbin and I am the lead pastor of the Heights Church in downtown Denver, Colorado, a church that we planted about six years ago. And man, I am so honored to bring God's word to you guys today. But before we dive in, can I just say that I love what Jesus is doing in Grumlaw Church. Shea has become a really good friend of mine and I so believe in him as a godly and gifted leader and I'm always encouraged when I get updates from him about what is going on among you all in Grand Blanc and Heartland. So amazing. Uh, we're gonna continue in our series called Follow Today on what it looks like to follow Jesus in our cultural moment. Uh, we don't follow news feeds or news channel commentators, or phone notifications, or what we read on our social media. As followers of Jesus, we follow Jesus, and that's what this series is all about. So grab a Bible and open it up to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and we're going to be looking together at verses 14 through 21. I'll kick us off with a bit of a story while you get there. In 2016, uh, we were beginning to look for space in the community to meet in for what would become the Heights Church when we were initially planting our church. And I remember a specific meeting with a community leader that ended in then saying these words to me, Jonathan, our executive pastor, and my wife, Allie. They said this, we don't want you and your church here. And they, they went on to say this, not only do we not want you here, but this person said, I'm personally going to see to it that your church is not welcome in this community now this was her response after kind of peppering us with a bunch of questions and starting to understand that we were wanting to start a kind of historically rooted biblical orthodox christian church in the community that helped people follow jesus like we're talking about in this series now if we're honest just a little honesty moment here for a second if we're honest um us jesus followers don't always have the best reputation in our cities and communities But today's teaching is about how you can help change that. You can help change the church's reputation. So here's the big idea that stands at the heart of our Bible passage today. Becoming people of peace and blessing over cursing and division. Becoming people of peace and blessing over cursing and division. Here's the vision of today. That we as Jesus followers would become such a life-giving, peace-bringing gift to our city and our neighbors, that the perception of who Christians are and what Christians are like in our communities would change forever. That people like that community leader that I told you the story about would go from, I want you out of here, to saying something like this, hey, I think you believe weird things, and I'm not sure I believe all of that Jesus stuff, but you churches are such a value add that I will do whatever it takes to help you be here. Like, that's the goal. A friend of ours, I'll give you an example of what this could look like. A a friend of ours here at the Heights is a a pastor of a church in Raleigh, North Carolina. And a few years ago, they were hosting an MLK parade, an event in downtown Durham. The city was hosting this event. And he, of all people, kind of a, he's a white evangelical Christian male, uh, was asked to speak at this MLK event. And uh, I remember hearing him tell this story. He was pretty nervous about it and kind of was wondering why they would ask him of all the great people in Durham, North Carolina, they could have asked. And so he asked, the, he asked the event coordinator, he goes, hey, you know, why did you pick me? And they said this, they said, it's because of how your church has blessed our city. They said, it seems that everywhere in our city, we find a need. We also find people from your church meeting that need. And we couldn't think of anyone better to embody the spirit of brotherly love we want to honor on this day than someone from your church. And it's like, I think like, man, that's it. That's the vision that we as followers of Jesus in Grand Blank and Heartland and here in Denver, Colorado would become carriers of peace and blessing everywhere we go. Now, I want to, before we dive in, I want to set up the context of our verses here in Romans 12. So in Romans 12, here's how Romans 12 works. In Romans 12, the first 13 verses are about how we do relationships with other followers of Jesus inside the church. But in verse 14, where we're gonna start, there's this shift where he goes from how we do relationships in here, inside the church, to how we do relationships out there, outside of the church. With people who don't believe what we believe or think how we think, act like we are called to act as followers of Jesus. But even more, and we'll get to this, it's about how we do relationships with people who don't like us. Now, just a word before we dive into this teaching. If if you're here and you're joining Grumlaw today and you maybe are exploring Jesus but you don't yet consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I just so you I know you don't know me, but I try to do most of my teaching where anyone no matter where you're at on kind of like the spiritual religious level can access it and chew on it and apply it. But this teaching that I'm going to give today is kind of an insider teaching on how we can be the kind of people um, who bring peace and blessing and represent Jesus properly in our communities. But if that's you, don't tune me out because I actually think that you might find uh, it really fa- What we have to say really fascinating. So, so let's dive in. So here's, here, like I said, here, here's where we start. Verse 14 represents the shift in chapter 12 where we go from uh, a focus on inside the church to a focus on outside of the church. And it says this, starting in verse 14. Romans 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I'm just gonna give you a second to stare at that. That's a command. Okay, now here's the temptation. The temptation is to read a verse like that and go, okay, surely that doesn't mean what it looks like it means. And you kind of hope that I'm going to do some fancy original language trick like pastors do to show you how it doesn't mean what it looks like it means. Well, I'm just here to tell you that it is what it is. It says what it looks like it says. So here's the point. As we shift our focus on how we do relationships with people who don't follow Jesus, even people who are hostile toward Jesus, We bring peace and blessing to them. So here's the thing. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, every single place you go, home, work, school, gym, the grocery store, your neighborhood block, coffee shop, your presence will bring peace and blessing to that place. Now, if we can just be real for a second, that sounds so nice. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're probably like, yes, yes, bless, do not curse, be nice everywhere you go. But the question we have to ask is like, yeah, but what does that look like in real life? What does that look like in like the Monday through Saturday? Well, in the rest of this passage, Paul, the guy who wrote this book of the Bible, gives us three really practical ways to live this out in real life. And so we're just going to walk through these three. Number one is this empathize, don't demonize. You wanna be a person of peace and blessing everywhere you go? Empathize, don't demonize. In his book called Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth, a guy named Thaddeus Williams talks about how our culture has moved from the age of you do you, no judgment, into what he calls, and I love this, he calls it the age of the gavel. This is where we're at in our cultural moment. Meaning that it's the age of judgment. He says, he says this in his book, We have watched our culture that prided itself on non-judgmentalism turn into one of the most judgmental societies in history. The cultural moment we live in only knows how to demonize and has no idea how to empathize with people who are in pain and suffering. Where we are really good at making sweeping moral indictments of people we barely know on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, whatever you're into, And we all fall into this trap. But Paul comes in hot in verse 15 and he says this. That's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is learning to empathize, not demonize, empathize with people, not demonize people, especially with people who are not like you. In verse 15, he goes on to say this. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Now, that last little phrase, live in harmony with one another, is the primary command. And the way we do that is through what's called empathy. Entering into the experience of other people, especially people who are not like us. And rejoicing when they are rejoicing and weeping when they are weeping. Now, think about this. This is, this is so counter to anything you will ever see on Fox News or CNN. And do you know why? Because on Fox News or CNN, if it bleeds, it leads. Empathy doesn't print money. Empathy isn't isn't fun to watch. But just think about this. How much different would the last two years of our country be if we could have empathized over demonized? Wow. Think about this. This is the way of Jesus, who is the lead empathizer. He empathizes with you. Hebrews tells us we don't have a high priest and king who sat on his throne in heaven to look down on us and our stupidity and self-harming sin. But what did he do? Jesus moved close to us. He incarnated into our human experience in order to bring light and life and salvation. And now as his people, our call is to do the same. So what does empathy look like? Well. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you a, a quote from who I, I think is kind of the queen of empathy, uh, a woman and, and, and uh, I think she's a psychologist named Ber- Brene Brown. She d- defines empathy as feeling with people and she lays out four markers of empathy. She says, empathy begins with perspective taking. It moves into staying out of judgment of other people. Number three is recognizing emotions and number four is communicating each of those things to the people. So, so let's just think about this. Let's put some flesh and blood on this. Think of someone you tend to judge or think poorly of. Maybe it's a Democrat or a Republican. Maybe it's a racial minority who's standing up for the rights of their people. Maybe it's a person of a different socioeconomic status than you. Think of somebody like that. What would it look like for you to empathize with them? In the odd language of the passage, to harmonize with them and rejoice in what they rejoice in and weep over what they weep over. We're pressing toward becoming people of peace and blessing. And the first way is empathize, don't demonize. Number two is this. I don't know you very well, but I'm just going to say it bluntly. Paul says, get over yourself. Okay, Get over yourself. Now, this is huge for empathy to happen. I've been trying to wrap my head around this personally, but as shocking as it might be to you, not everything I think is right, even though I'm a Bible teacher, I know that's shocking that I might be wrong sometimes. I've been trying trying to wrap my own head around that. And that's true about you too. That's true about you too. We're just, if we're really honest, we're just not that awesome. And you know what? That's okay. So we continue on our little journey on how to be a person of peace and blessing everywhere. And here it is. Verse 16 says this, do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. So the primary command here is that last little phrase, do not be wise in your own estimation. We bring that into 2021 lingo and basically say, hey guys, you got to get over yourselves. Now, none of us are as awesome as we present ourselves or as smart or as wise. And we've got to kind of like settle that in our hearts somewhere. We're just not that smart. We're not as wise as we think we are. Think about this. The point he's making is that you can never bless anyone until you get over yourself. You can't be a carrier of peace and blessing to people that you think you are better than. So let's just take a deep breath and kind of all just collectively get over ourselves. In the words of one of my good friends, a guy named Jonathan, he says, quit drinking your own Kool-Aid, okay? Now, number three, number three, when others go low, we always go high. When others go low, we always go high. Yes, that's a Michelle Obama quote, which works well in downtown Denver. And if that ruffles your feathers there in the suburbs of Detroit, I would just say C.2, okay? Now, this one is the hardest, okay? And really the first two lead to this one. So let's just dive in and understand a little bit better. Then we will back up and apply it. Verse 17 says this, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, live at peace with everyone. Okay, so pay close attention because this feels insane. I don't know the last time you were wronged misunderstood, treated poorly, not given the benefit of the doubt. The natural reaction to being wronged is retaliation. This is what stirs up in us. I'm going to hit, you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. But the teaching of biblical Jesus-centered Christianity is that we never do that, ever. Now in verses 19 and 20, he tells us why we don't have to, and it's because we can trust God to sort it out. He says this in verse 19. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. Because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. Okay, so let's talk about it. The reason we don't have to repay evil, always do what is honorable, always choose the way of peace, is because we know that God is a God of wisdom, kindness, and justice. And in the end, All true evil will be, in the words of verse 19, repaid. The reason vengeance belongs to God and not to us is because we can't see the whole picture and we might get it wrong. So we leave it to God. We believe in faith that he will sort it out. So that means that we always do good, even to perceived enemies. Verse 20 says this, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Okay, well, so it's like, what does that mean? What's the deal with the heaping fiery coals? Well, he's, he's saying that when, you, when we choose the shocking way of non-retaliation, of peace and blessing, the hope is that it will kind of catch that person off guard, that they would feel a sense of shame for the evil way that they've treated you, and be drawn to the God of peace and blessing that you are representing. F.F. Bruce says this, he's a Bible scholar. He says, the best way to get rid of an enemy is to turn him into a friend. He then, uh, Paul then ends with a, a summary of this whole teaching in verse 21. He says this, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Bill Mounts, New Testament scholar says this about that verse. Our most powerful weapon against evil is the good. To respond to evil with evil is not to overcome it but to add to it. Wow. Believers are called upon to live victoriously in a hostile world by continuing to live as Jesus lived. And when you think about it, this is exactly how Jesus lived. This is exactly how Jesus has won the victory over evil, right? This is the heart of the way of Jesus in the world, the way of constant peace and blessing. you just think about Jesus's life, he's the one who empathized over demonized he didn't sit in judgment over us while we were in our self-destructive sin state what did he do he entered in and empathized us in our broke empathized with us in our brokenness he's the one who got over himself in the language of Philippians chapter 2 who did not count equality with uh, with God as a thing to be grasped but what did he do he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross and he is the one who wins the victory over evil by always going high when everyone else went low. Think about this. His, his kingdom of blessing and peace does not come by the sword, but through a cross. That's a big deal. At the end of his life, uh, there's this scene uh, where you probably are familiar with it if you've been following Jesus for a while, where this group of people comes to arrest Jesus. And one of his disciples grabs a sword and he, and he cuts off a guy's ear. Pretty wild scene, really happened. And Jesus says this to the defensive disciple ready to kind of repay evil with evil. He says this, Matthew 26, 52. He said, put your sword back in its place because all who take up the sword will perish by the sword. He then stops and he heals the guy's ear. Think about this. The one who was arresting him wrongfully to take him to the cross, Jesus heals him so that he can go to the cross. Wow. And even from the cross, Jesus looks down and he says about the ones crucifying him and cursing him, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. That's Luke 23. And Jesus dies. But his passive death gives way to resurrection. And in this, we learn that the way we conquer evil is the same. It's with good. It's with sacrifice. It's with love. And you know, because of the cross... This is how God wants to relate to you too. This is wild. Especially if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you're like exploring Christianity. This is the gospel. This is the center of it. He doesn't want to repay your evil with evil. He wants to repay your evil by inviting you out of it and into his goodness by grace. This is why Romans 5.10 says this, for if while we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son on the cross then how much more having been reconciled to God will we be saved by his life? You see, this is the invitation of Christianity that while we have been the evil ones, done evil things that we're ashamed of, God through Jesus does not repay our evil with evil, but by grace invites us into the goodness of salvation by trusting the death and resurrection of Jesus. Wow, this is the good news of Christianity. And listen, listen to me when you experience that kind of grace from God, it should change the way we treat everyone we interact with. You see, because of the blessing and peace we have received, we now become people ready to extend blessing and peace to to everyone, even people we perceive as our enemies. So I want to end uh, by just practicing this, getting really practical, kind of taking it out of subjective land and putting it into reality. Here's how. We're going to, here in a few minutes, we're going to pray and practice blessing our enemies. In the seat back in front of you, uh, there, there are a few index cards, and I just want you to grab one. And uh, when you grab it, you, you can just hold it up. I would love everyone to hold it up right now. Okay, now grab a pen. And during our response time, I want you to take a couple of minutes with that index card and think of someone that you perceive as an enemy. Or maybe someone that you are prone to judge. And you're, gonna, you're just going to write their name down okay? And then what I want you to do is I want you to, I want you to pray and ask God to bless them and be kind to them. And then, I want you to go even further, then on that index card, I want you to identify one way that you can bless them this week. And I want to press you kind of, not to think about a group of people, but a name, an individual, because you can't, guys, listen, you can't bless a political party, but you can bless someone in that political party. So get out of the news and social media land as you think about this and into what you can actually control, people in your actual circle of influence. So I'll give you some examples. Maybe it's someone that you've gotten into an argument or a fight with in the past. Maybe it's someone you know that you are frustrated with. Maybe it's someone that you know that is frustrated with you and you've kind of been in an argument with. Maybe it's someone you pass by on the street that you're prone to look down on or a neighbor that you're prone to judge because they've done something that you don't like. Maybe it's someone at work that you don't like, uh, you know, a boss, or maybe it's a, hopefully I can say this, a, a butt-kissing coworker. Uh, maybe it's a family member that, you know, made you mad last Thanksgiving and you haven't talked to him since. Maybe it's someone in this room, as you look around that you've been annoyed with or you've had a, a fight with, and you need to, you need to reconcile, you need to pray for blessing, and you need to go to bless them. And while we do this, um, one of your campus pastors is gonna be leading into a time of communion. Um, so we're going to remember Jesus' love for us on the cross in spite of our evil. And then we're going to get really practical on how we can go and live this out in real life, becoming, of people of, becoming a people of peace and blessing over cursing and division. I want to close uh, by just reading you uh, some some words of Jesus out of Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. I'm going to read this. And then I'm just gonna pray for us and then we will respond. Luke chapter six, starting in verse 27. These are the words of Jesus. He says this, but I say to you who listens, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks of you and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them, Jesus says. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great and you will be the children of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful." Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we want to live this out. Thank you so much um, for the good news of the gospel, that though we have done evil, you have not repaid our evil with evil, but you have been good to us through the good news of Jesus Christ. He's lived the the life that we should have lived. He's died the death that we deserve for our sin. He's been raised from the dead. And by faith in him, we're welcomed into your goodness. Thank you for that reality, God. God, I pray, that you would give us help by the Holy Spirit as we think about becoming people of peace and blessing in our communities. I pray that you'd help us think about people who we can actually go and bring blessing and peace to. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.